<laughs> Moving right along. All right, so I'm, I'm going to work out of Timothy chapter 5. We've, we're working our way through Timothy, and we're not, we haven't worked line by line, verse by verse, which is a fun way to uh, get through books sometimes. But uh, the way that we've sort of tackled uh, the first book of Timothy is, is really just taking a chunk out of uh, what, what we feel God's calling us to or we, we think would uh, be able to a good investment into our church. And I'm going to work out of Ch- Timothy chapter 5 and verse 17. And... Uh, before I do this, I'll read it and then you'll understand and then I'll explain. Uh, the, did we get that up? No. I always wondered what Jesus did on the Sermon of the Mount when his overhead wasn't working. The, uh, the pastors who... So, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 17, uh, 5, 17... And I'm reading from the Passion. The pastors who lead the church should be paid well. They should receive uh, double honor for faithfully preaching and teaching the revelation of the word of God. For the scriptures have taught us, do not muzzle an ox or forbid it while it eats the grain. And also the one who labors deserves his wage. Uh, Refuse to listen to suspicious accusations against the pastors who lead the flock unless you have two or three witnesses to confirm the accusations. But if indeed you find they have sinned, bring correction to them before the congregation so that the rest of the people will respect you. Um, just as a, before we go any further, I'll, pr- I'll pray and we need prayer for this. Lord, I thank you for your word, God. I thank you that uh, your word is unfailing. I thank you that your word is life, that it is truth. And I thank you that as we apply your word, it transforms our lives. So, Lord, we just uh, submit ourselves to your word this morning, and we believe that you're going to, uh, to, to use your word to grow us, Lord, to, to heal us, Lord, to, to lift us higher, to, to move us into what you've got for our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're talking about uh, the saying your pastors in the, who lead the church should be paid well. Just a little, right, take just deep breath, it's all right. You guys take great care of, of Melissa, uh, the church. Uh, just for a little tiny little snapshot of that, the ACC, which is our movement, they have pastors lined up with the public school uh, teacher's salary. So if you're wondering what a pastor's making stuff, sort of think public school teacher and you're in the ballpark, um, just so you know. And you guys take great care of Melissa, not going in that direction at all. What I want to work on here is it says they should receive double honour for faithfully preaching and teaching the revelation of the Word of God, for the Scriptures have taught us... Uh, what we, we often will look and look at um, the ter- churches around the world, and and we'll look, so often I've seen and heard comments about the church in India or the church in Africa, or these places seeing amazing moves of God, uh, and and why aren't we seeing that here? Why aren't we seeing that in the West? And I, I have got a sneaking suspicion that. Um, that this has got a lot to do with it. Can I read you a passage out of Mark, uh, chapter 6 and verse 1? uh, Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue. Many who heard him were amazed. Uh, Where did this man get these things, they asked? Uh, What wisdom has has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he's performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor in his own town, among his relatives and his own home. He could not do any miracles there, except lay hands on a few sick people and heal them. He he was amazed at their lack of faith. Jesus Christ, 
could do no miracles there. It says here, a prophet is not without honor except in his own ha- in his own town. He could do no miracles there except lay hands on a few sick people and heal them. And it was saying that honor is actually what's capped the, the miraculous, the power of Jesus' ministry. So he wasn't honored in his own town. Therefore, he was seriously limited in the miracles that he could do. And what we're seeing in the West, uh, on a, we see people on a regular basis get healed of sickness. Of, of we, we Occasionally, we'll see cancer go. We'll occasionally see uh, different things happen, amazing things. But they are, we, we know they're very limited. We, we, we look, and I look jealously at uh, ministries over in the third world. And, and I see, why aren't you doing that here, God? Why aren't you doing the miracles that you're doing in the Crusades in Africa here? Why, don't, why aren't we seeing and hearing about the miraculous in, in, in the churches in South America here and in the West? And we're at a place where we are really got to understand that in the West, and by the West I'm talking about countries like the United States, countries like Australia, like the UK, we've got a, a system where we don't understand honour. We don't honour people. We've, we've got a system where we would happily call the Prime Minister my mate. We would happily, uh, we, we pull people down. We've got that tall poppy syndrome where no one can get too big without us pulling them down. We, we love to, we've just got to look at some of the, the news. They like nothing more than to be able to pull down the people that are doing well. Where we see in the scripture, you've got to understand that this book is written to Middle Eastern people. Now, they, this, this is a, a, a culture that has a fantastic hold of honor, a fantastic hold of, of respect. And we see, and uh, we've got uh, from, from our... We got you know there's mostly white people in our church, but we do have a bit of cultural diversity in the sense that particularly the South Africans, you guys come from a place where what I've seen with the South Africans is there is these guys get honour. The guys from England and Australia, we've got no idea about it, and we're in this place where we, we, we no one's better than me, and we're all the same, and and that's not what honour is. Honour's not saying you're better than me. But honor is saying, I, I value you. That's what the word honor is talking about. And particularly in this passage in Timothy, that word honor is talking about value. And so we're in this place where as a nation, we're seeing such a limited move. The power of God is being severely limited because we don't understand this, this, this honor. Uh, and it's saying here that the pastors... And, and some translations talk about the, the elders who direct the affairs of the church. So that's the leaders as well. Uh, it, it says they are worthy of double honor. And I was like, okay. Um, and, and so we're at this point where it's like, okay, so what do you want me to do, Jacob? Like, um, honor? Like, okay, yeah. And, I, and I've, because uh, uh, I've been, uh, Melissa's been leading us tremendously for the last year. And before that, I was for 10 years leading this church. And I struggled to preach this. Because effectively, I felt like I'm getting up here saying, hey, you guys need to treat me better. <laughs> like, and I'm like, how do you do that? But then Timoth- but Paul has written this letter to Timothy. And he's saying, Timothy, I need you to teach your church this. <laughs> like, you can imagine Timothy getting up. Uh, Hi, guys. The Apostle Paul has told me that you guys need to treat me better. <laughs> Like we're not, that's not what it's saying, but, but that's, and, and I do believe that that is part of why 
in the church in the West, this isn't taught very well because we also live in that culture. We also live in a culture, and, and the, the, the highest, uh, probably limit, the biggest limitation we have is, is honour can't be demanded. It can't be demanded. That, that's not honour. If you demand it, that's not honour. And so what I thought I'd do this morning is um, I really want to, I, I just want to be able to, and, and I'm not, this isn't a word of correction, guys, not for one second. It's not a word of correction because I, I do believe that we're in a place in our church that it's probably the healthiest I've ever seen it. And, and especially as far as other uh, teams we've got and the, person, uh, the personnel we've got on teams and stuff. So I'm not uh, saying this as a word of correction for us. I'm, this is putting a, 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 a building block in our church, a, um, a cultural uh, slab, if you like, uh, as part of our church. Um, what I want us to do is to really understand what it is to be a pastor, what, what it is to pastor a church. What it is, because what we're saying here is, if we aren't able to engage with the ministry and the ministers the way that God has called us to, then we miss out. We miss out. Not the minister doesn't, well, they miss out, yes, because all they care about is you. That's all they care about. That's all they care about. So, yeah, they miss out, but ultimately we miss out. So what I want to be able for us to do is really, okay, how can we engage with our best life? And that's what the scripture is. You've got to remember the whole Bible is a loving dad writing to his kids. That's this whole book. is all about a loving father writing a love letter to his kids saying, guys, I've got an amazing life for you and here's how we live it. So um, we had this lady in our church. We had this tremendous, beautiful old couple. I had the privilege of, of doing... Uh, Don's funeral. He was a he was a lovely old guy. He's sort of one of those guys that had done everything in life. He'd been a school principal. He'd done also, including pastoring a church. And his wife Faye, she was a I, I bat, had the privilege of baptizing her in the Holy Spirit. She was like praying in tongues for the first time in her eighties. Like that was one of the coolest things of my entire ministry. Is was and these I loved these guys. I spent so much time with them, especially as Don was passing. Um, but Faye used to say to me, she said, Jacob, I think that. Everybody in church needs to pastor for at least three months. <laughs> Otherwise, you've got no idea. And she would always say this to me. She would always say this to me. And, um, and I agree. So, guys, we've got a roster. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But to understand, but it, we've got, and I was, I was um, at a meeting on uh, Friday night. I was preaching at a, uh, an event in um, down south of the river, and it was um, a whole bunch of people. I, I didn't uh, a whole bunch of, and I was meeting a lot of pastors, um, new new people that I hadn't met before, and I, and I was chatting with one of them, and um, and and as I was talking with them, you could actually it was almost like this relief, where the, she was talking to me and saying it was almost someone was understanding her world, because it's just you're living in a world that people don't understand because it is such a unique. Uh, it's such a unique position. It's such a unique role. And, and the truth of it is, is that people don't get it. And that's okay. It's totally okay. But it's great. But it's important that we sort of understand we don't get it. You know, it's just like with the Prime Minister, for example. We sit there and throw our popcorn out the telly and tell him what he should be doing and what he shouldn't be doing and how we would do it better. And, you know, probably you wouldn't. 
And, 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 and that's a whole nother sermon, but it actually, it's very similar to this one. But what I want us to do is, I'm going to go and, um, there, there's some statistics about pastors that, that I don't think most people would know. It says 90% of pastors report the ministry was completely different than what they thought it would be like before they entered the ministry. 90%, 9 out of 10. I've had people say to me, oh, that's fine, Jake, if you get to spend all day reading your Bible and praying. <laughs> I'm thinking, um, you must, you're probably one of the 9 out of 10 here if you were to step into that. 72% of pastors report working between 55 to 75 hours per week. I remember someone else saying to me, well, that's all right for you, Jacob. You don't have a real job. I've <laughs> yeah, it was a bit of a, okay, deep breaths. And that brings it to another point when, when people are, you know, and we're volunteering at church. I think like what, after about the 50-hour mark, everything you're doing is probably volunteering as a pastor. And so from 55 to 75, it's saying 72% of the past. I'd say we're sort of all in the same boat when it comes to the volunteering side of things. It says 84% of pastors feel they are on call 24-7. 28% of pastors report having feelings of guilt for taking personal time off. 45% of pastors spend 10 to 15 hours a week on sermon preparation. 78% of pastors report having their vacation and personal time interrupted with ministry duties or expectations. 54% of pastors find the role of a pastor overwhelming. One out of 10 pastors will actually retire as a pastor. 90% of pastors feel they are called and in the place where God has called them. So even though 90% of pastors feel like they are where they're supposed to be, 10% will actually finish their working lives in the role. So to really understand this, 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 is, this, is the, this is what a pastor is. So when we're looking at Melissa up here preaching or we're you know, in the office on the, in the weekdays, we're doing the different things, this is what we're working with. When you're looking at the churches that you might have been part of, this is what you're dealing with. You're connecting with someone who is laying down their life for you, who's truly laying down their life for you. And... And it's not all like, oh, woe is me and that poor person and let's all like... No, no, it's... The, the, remember the last bit was 90% of pastors feel they're called and are in place, in the place where God has called them and there is no place like the will of God. When I was talking with that pastor on Friday night um, and we were, you know, saying different things and sort of the finish of it was though, but there's no place you would rather be. It's also the best job on the, on the earth. And, and for us, it's like, it's also, it's, it, all the challenge, it's still the best job there is. And, and it, so it's not like, but to understand it, is, is this is, this is the role. This is the role. And, um, and so I want us to move and, and to really start to engage and, and trying to, I just want to equip you guys to be able to engage with that role in a way that's going to open you up, open our church up to the miraculous, open our church up to the grace of God coming in and doing things that He is doing in places all over the world. I tell you, it is more normal. The, the, the moves of the Holy Spirit that are seen around the world are more normal. The radical miracles is more normal than the, uh, just the healing, just a few sick people being healed. Statistically, the number of people with getting radical miracles... We're seeing that there's ministers over in Africa seeing a million people at a time coming to Christ. 
with people being raised from the... There's churches in South America where you cannot be a leader in the church if you have not raised someone from the dead. Can you imagine that? How many... We're like, okay, have you done the growth track? How many weeks, how many months have you been in church? Uh, Have you... You know, they're like, uh, so how many people have you raised from the dead? None yet? Yeah. Come back when you've done that and we'll, you know, be interested for a chat. <laughs> and that's, that, that's, that's, a to- like that's a different world to this. But that's not supposed to be uncommon. That is not supposed to be uncommon. That is the kingdom. That is what this book talks about. When we read the, when we read the book of Acts, it talks about the disciples healing everyone who came to them. That's not Jesus. That's the disciples. And, and so this is where we're at a point. It's like, okay, well, why are we missing that? Why? As a church, and I'm not talking about Grace Church. I'm talking about the church in Australia. Why are we missing that? And there's only one place I can see in the entire scripture where Jesus' ministry was limited. And it's right here where they said uh, that he wasn't honored in his own town. The only place, the only lid on Jesus is honor. And so when, Timothy, uh, when Paul's writing to Timothy here, and he's saying, Timothy, I need you to, t- to educate your church. He's not saying it so Timothy can get his boot, you know, overfill his boots, or to, Timothy's not getting paid well enough, so let's see how he has got a good way to get your pay rise, Tim. It's not that at all. It's because Paul is desperate to see the Holy Spirit moving through the church of Ephesus. So as a, for us, that's, so I'm going to keep moving here. And to really start to understand and get this, to really start to see the flow from Scripture. In Ephesians in chapter 4, in verse 11, it says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the, uh, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Now, earlier in Ephesians, just before this, it actually talks about all these gifts that God gives to people. It's, uh, it talks about gifts of healing, gifts of prophecy, all these amazing things that God gives to the church. To, to, sorry, to people in the church. But then it says, then Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, and the evangelists, and the pastors. I'm, I'm going to turn there because I, I, I want to pull this out because this is something that I believe can really transform the way we see these roles and give us the ability to engage with them correctly. So... Chapter 4 of Ephesians. So Christ himself gave... I actually think I'm mistaken here. I think we'd be better off working from 1 Corinthians 12. But anyway, to understand it correctly, the, the God gave the people the gifts... Of, the, of, of prophecy. God gave people the gifts of healing. God gave people the gifts. It says, but then God gave the church the gift of the pastors, the prophets, the teachers, the evangelists. They're, they're actually God's gift to the church. It's Christ's gift to the church. It's not the ability to pastor. It's not what he's talking about here. He's actually talking about the pastor. He's not talking about the ability to prophesy. He's already dealt with that. That's the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives the gift of prophecy. Jesus gives the gift of the prophet. The Holy Spirit gives the gift, uh, the pastoral gift. 
Jesus gives the gift of the pastor. They're separate. They're different. This is how someone like myself was able to operate as a pastor when I'm not overly pastoral. They're different. Ideally, they line up, but they're different. So when we're dealing, so it's saying here, Jesus has given, in the case that we're dealing with from Timothy, First uh, Timothy five, pastors. So, so Christ Himself gave the apostles, gave the prophets, gave the evangelists, gave the pastors, gave the teachers, to equip His people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up. He gave these officers to the church so that the church could operate in their gifts of the Holy Spirit. He gave these officers to release the gifts of the Holy Spirit in the church. That does not mean for the pastor to do all the amazing miracles. Not for one second is that saying that. What that's saying is that, so you... (laughs) can do these amazing miracles. That's what it's saying. It's saying there's a place in God where when we treat these officers correctly, it unlocks the gifts of the Holy Spirit in you. Very truly I tell you, in John chapter 13 and verse 20, very truly I tell you, whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me. And whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. Just, we just read that Jesus sent the prophet. We just read that Jesus sent the apostle, that Jesus sent the evangelist, that Jesus sent the pastor, that Jesus sent the teacher. Whoever accepts the one I sent accepts me. Whoever accepts me, Jesus, accepts the one who sent me, the Father. The way we connect with our pastors, the way we connect with the, the leadership in the church, the, the people that God put here, it actually determines how we connect with Jesus. It actually determines how we connect with the Father. You, you cannot just bypass, and it's, and it's one of those things where it's not, you, you, you can have a direct relationship with Father God without your pastor. I'm not saying that for one second, but I am saying that it is absolutely critical in, the, in accessing the power. It's absolutely critical because when we start to say, yeah, God, I want to I live for you, but not by your way, not by your structure, not by your, <laughs> the way you do it. It's like, yeah, I want to drive a car, but I'm not going to drive it the way that says it. Third gear, who needs third gear? I want to go forward. I'm not pushing that pedal on the floor. I'm going to keep banging the door until we go somewhere. But Because I want to, and I'm not what's controlling me, telling me how to do things. Come on. It says, Jesus could do no miracles except lay hands on a few sick people and heal them. And I've struggled with that for years. Because that for me is open heaven. I'm like, man, when I pray for someone and I see a sick person get healed, I just think, God, you're so amazing. God. And I just, it says here that he's amazed at your lack of faith. He's like, man, <laughs> this is disappointing. <laughs> this is disappointing. The one thing we see limit the ministry of Christ is, this, is, is what Paul's addressing here. The one thing. And I think we want our lives to reflect the New Testament. We call ourselves a New Testament church. We believe that we are the church of, of Acts, that, that the book of Acts is still being written, and that your name, some of the stories in the book of Acts have got your name in it, my name in it. 
I believe that so firmly. Then why aren't we seeing the miracles they saw in Acts? Why aren't we seeing the miracles that Jesus performed? Because he said, greater works will you do. I'm not done greater stuff than Jesus did. Let me tell you that. But he said it. Why aren't I? We see it here because on that day, in that place, Jesus was just like me. His miracles were the same as my miracles. He was living in the same box that we're living in in Australia. The same box that we're living in in the West, in America, in the UK. And we've got an opportunity, church, to, to, to break that open. We have an opportunity to break that open. And I believe we have an opportunity to lead, even lead our city. Can I tell you the churches where I've seen some amazing things going on even in this city? These are churches that get honor, that they understand honor. There's some amazing churches in our city and people, men and women, I look up to so much. But I tell you what, I go to their churches and, and I see their team look up to them. I see their team honoring them. I see the, the people in their church having this. They, they, they're not saying that this is a better person than me. That person is worth exactly one person, the same as you. They're not more valuable. They've got a different function. And, and I, there's something in it. There's something in it. And we have an opportunity to step into it. We have an opportunity to step into it. I, as a, you know, going, th- and, I, and this is, uh, and I expect Timothy went through much of the same issues that I had did as a young guy in ministry. One of the things I've found is you're going in and you're, you're ministering alongside it two other guys similar ages to you it, it's a lot easier i believe and i i can't say it because I, i've never been there but i expect for the older guys because our culture even though we're not at such an honoring culture we do still have that level of respect for older people for our parents for example and our uh, the, the people that are a generation ahead of us we're able there is that certain level of okay well you've been through a lot more than me and i'll listen to you but when it's a young guy that they, they don't listen or they want to be your mate. And, and as you're talking to people and ministering to people, what I've found time and time again is people are saying, oh, yeah, no, it's all right. So when I was a young guy, I was seriously messed up on drugs. And I had a counsellor, and she was a cool chick. And it was useless because I wanted to be her friend. How are you? I'm strung out on drugs, my life's horrible, suicidal. Yeah, I'm good, good, yeah, no worries. Because I thought if I told her the truth, she wouldn't want to be my friend. She wouldn't think I'm cool. I'm, and and I and I've had the and I've understood uh, people come and, and and their lives falling apart. And they're yeah, I'm good, man, doing good. Yeah, what about you? Tell me about your problems. I'm like, hey, uh, this you've got to understand that this is God's gift to your church, to the church, to you. God, God's put me in your life here to 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 be that person. I remember I had a. Um, a when I was at, so I went through the drug rehab teen challenge, which is a Christian rehab, and there's a church there, and the the the, the pastor of that church, he, he was talking to me at one point, and and I said to him, and I look, looked him pretty straight in the eyes, and I don't know whether this was rude or not, and I was, but, uh, but I said, look, I'm not looking for a friend here, I, I've got friends, so what I need is a pastor, what I need is someone I can speak to, someone that can speak into my life, and actually in my heart and put him in the position of pastor not mate not buddy hey that does not mean you can't be friends with them hey that does not mean you can't be have a meal and can't be real but what that does mean is that there's certain points where it's like hey pastor i need your help 
this is what's on my heart. Or when they speak to you about something, oh, pastor, so-and-so, yeah, we were kicking the footy the other day, best of mate, now he's correcting me. You know, come on. And, and it's just, and it's that, that, that mindset and that, that limits and puts, our, puts us in a box for the gifts of the Holy Spirit to operate. And we can, there's a, because you, you know that Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus spent bulk time with his disciples, said that the oil of joy was upon him. This was a fun dude to be around. The oil of joy. I don't even know what that is, but that sounds fun. He was the life of the party. So can you imagine as he's talking to his team, they would have had fun. They would have been fellowshipping, they were camping the whole time, eating out the whole time. They would have had a blast. It was just like a three-year boys' road trip. <laughs> Pastor Malcolm and I used to go on a road trip every, every year for a week. It was great. We would take one for the team and go on a boys' road trip with a whole bunch of guys for a cycling trip and expect that's what it was like, three years of that. But you know that Jesus, at times, he would actually speak directly into his disciples' lives. <laughs> and I remember one time Peter says, oh, Jesus, no, 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 you've got it wrong. Hey, this. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. You don't have the things of God in mind. You've got the things of man. It's actually a, a demonic thing to be elevating yourself above the gift of God. It's demonic. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, when Peter said to Jesus, no. And I'm not saying you don't have feedback, and I'm not saying you don't have accountability. And we've got tremendous accountability structures. We've got a great healthy board. We've got um, people in our church that are in positions to speak into the life of the leadership team. But what I'm talking about is, is that hard attitude where it's like, you're not speaking into me. No, 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 you've got it wrong. I've got it right. And, 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 and talking down. And actually, Jesus said, you've not, <laughs> this is his best mate in the whole crew. Peter is his best mate. He's the one that Jesus actually sort of put in charge on his way out. And, and he's saying, Peter, that's demonic thinking. It limits the move of God. So I reckon, as a church, we can, um, we can learn a lot from the way that Jesus operated with his disciples. We can learn a lot. It, it doesn't mean we don't have fun together. It doesn't mean we don't eat together. It doesn't mean we don't fellowship together. It doesn't mean that we don't engage. But it does mean we recognize that these people are put in our lives by God. And we honor them for that. I've had the privilege of having Pastor Malcolm in my life for the last 15 years. And I would say it's probably been the biggest avenue of blessing I've had in my life. Is having this, and we've had plenty of times where I'd go to his home. We've had plenty of meals together. We'd go, go on those trips together and do all sorts of things together. There are times even where he would ask me to speak into situations or what did I see or do I have an idea here and things like that. We're not talking about a one-way street, but we are talking about a place where we understand that this person is put in my life by God. This person is a, God's, is, is a gift from God to me. 
and I'm honouring that person because I'm honouring the one who sent him. And we've got a really, really amazing woman of God that God has sent to us, that God has lifted up for such a time as this. He's put her in a position to be that voice in our lives. And I just think that we've got to discern at different points between what's Australian culture and what's kingdom culture. And I tell you guys that when Australian culture conflicts with kingdom culture, we we need to submit. The, the, The scripture says, seek first the kingdom. Amen. Amen.